Tonight, we hang out on the corner of Sci-Fi and Psych 101. We meet an alien race entirely composed of Jay Leno clones, and we get one Randy Picard. I'm Jimmy G. Welcome to Re-Engage, where we re-watch TNG, a show we loved when we were younger, and now re-engage episode by episode to see if it holds up to older eyes. Tonight, we re-engage with Season 3, Episode 17, Allegiance. Let's say hello to the Re-Engage Bridge crew. Miss Kate, how you do? I do so well in the terms of this is an episode I had no memory of. So this was a completely, <gasps> I felt like you, Jimmy. It was like a new experience for me. And what a great episode to have sort of no knowledge of going into. All right, Eric, did you have any knowledge of this one? Oh my God, one of my all-time favorites. I hadn't realized we had crept up on it. This is in the smack middle of my favorite, like seven episode run when i was in college you know my dad had all of these on vhs tape so it it would you know six or seven on the tape and you put it in you just watch the whole thing and this was one of my favorites because i was watching it somehow when we were learning no exit in college Mm. it was so fucking topical and the acting is so strong and crisp all right greg how you doing i'm doing good i'm excited to uh find a little more about picard's desires in this episode mm. <laughs> all right well let's uh let's speed on at warp nine to those desires uh it is star date 43745.2 air date april 2nd 1990 greg what was happening was it april 2nd i thought it was march 26th i might have gotten the dates wrong all right so march <laughs> March 26, 1990, uh, there was a trial that began on March 20th in New York City for Imelda Marcos. It was her racketeering charges uh, because of all of the time that she was able to get money from her government. It was a three-month trial. It went on for a long time in uh, New York City there. And the only thing I remember about this story, I don't even think it was. It only really came out in this trial. I think this came out a few years before, was the number of pairs of shoes that she had, right? That was the thing that was the joke on every late-night television show, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember closets of shoes. They had stolen somewhere around $11 billion out of that country yes. and never saw jail time. They they both were taken in, in Hawaii. The only thing that I learned by looking into this was that actor George Hamilton testified at the trial for receiving a $5.5 million loan from the Marcoses, and he made this testimony in exchange for immunity. So he basically threw them under the bus. Little known fact, he spent all of that money on spray tan lotion. (laughs) (laughs) Also good for him, throw them under all the buses. A very sad event happened on March 25th, uh, the day before this aired, a fire in a New York City social club called the Happy Land Social Club in the Bronx killed 87 people. It was a terrible tragedy. A boyfriend of the coat check girl lit the fire and there was no egresses. The New York State or New York City uh, inspectors had come and said like, hey, look, this is illegal. You can't have this as a social club. You know, a few months before they did not follow up. Basically, everyone in there died. There was only like five or six survivors, one of which was the girlfriend of uh, the person who lit the fire, which was terrible. One interesting part of that, it was on March 25th, was the same date in 1911 of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, uh, also in New York City. Happy Land is remembered as one of the deadliest uh, fires in American history. Well, Ted Cruz wants uh, to make sure every building has 
has one door. So we'll see how that works moving forward. Exactly. We'll start to have school arsons instead of school shootings. I'm sad now. Wow. Just staying on the positive <laughs> note. <laughs> well, bringing it back for one, uh, at least slightly more positive thing. On March 28th, three, uh, two days after this aired, Michael Jordan scored 69 points Sweet. in a game. It was the fourth nice. time he had scored over 60 points in a game. And uh, I just want to say, nice. <laughs> that's all i got all right kate talk to us in song form oh my goodness one of my favorite songs of the 90s hit number one this week black velvet by alana <gasps> miles black velvet in that little boy smile black velvet with that slow southern style a new religion that'll bring you to your knees black velvet if you please. Oh, so. Mm. I Hell I yeah. Please. Good. That song is so fucking sweet. I can't even stand it. Thank you, March 26, 1990, for giving us that beautiful song. <laughs> Amen. Number one on the big screen was Pretty Woman. Um, which is now touring the United States as a musical, because why not? I feel like we're going to get to all of those, right? Where it's like, <laughs> oh, and Heathers came out and right. uh, all of these musicals that you know and love. I used to be a part of an improv troupe that was called Every Movie is a Musical. <laughs> and that's what we would do is just get you know, movies and turn them into musicals. Brilliant. And on the awards circuit, the 62nd Annual Academy Awards took place and Driving Miss Daisy <laughs> took the top spot, which at the time we thought was so progressive. And now we recognize that Jessica Tandy was Jessica Tandy and we love her. <laughs> <laughs> and Morgan Freeman. And a lot Morgan of Freeman actors to love Freeman, in that yes. one. Well, yeah. And that was one of my first memories of Morgan Freeman, right? Like, I think he had been in a you know long career before that. But like, that was that was his debut on him being in every movie in the 90s, right? Yeah. And I mean, it was a year after Glory. And mm -hmm. then it was about six years after his first Oscar nomination for Street Smart with Kathy Baker and uh, Christopher Reeve. It's amazing you just pull that shit shit out of thin air it's not scripted you just know that stuff let's talk about some of the uh, people on the creative side we have director uh winrick colby and writers richard manning and hans beimer so richard manning was a uh, writer and producer for lots of shows including tng farscape ds9 tech wars fame the tv show and one show we've mentioned before, and we'll mention again right after this. Cop Rock. The 1994 one-season show, Space Precinct. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. And the show is way more serious than the title would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably why he didn't do well. And a good cast. Uh, and then Hans, also a writer and producer and supervising producer, co-executive producer uh, on lots of shows, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Tech Wars, and also Space Precinct. And he was a second unit director for uh, The Golden Child and Cocoon. Interesting. Wow. Now, before we turn the show over entirely to Mr. Curry, let's uh, check in with the Larry Nemesic files. The song you hear, 
Picard sing when he goes into 10 forward is Heart of Oak, a little 1770 ditty, if you want to know. And we got our second look at the Boleans. I believe that's how it's pronounced. The first time we saw them was in Conspiracy episode 125. And Thal's planet, Mizar, is known to astronomy folks as Zeta Ursula Majoris, the largest of two optical binaries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and for trivia buffs, we learned Picard's quarters are located on deck 9, 3601. Ooh, memorize it. Eric? Jimmy? It's all you. Oh, hell yeah. I, I wish I had more to talk about. I, I want to go right to uh, the actor who played Etzok, Mr. Reiner Schoenach. Wonderful German actor, over 100 German language credits. Big and imposing dude, as we can see in this. His American guest stars include genre stuff like Babylon 5, Mortal Kombat, Batman Beyond, the movie Priest, which is like such a wonderful guilty pleasure of mine. Also, a ton of stuff in the 80s. Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, 30-something, MacGyver, Knott's Landing, Jake the Batman, Scarecrow, Mrs. King. And then you go even further back and he's in a few wonderful movies in the 70s like The Iger Sanction, Hell Yeah. What character did he play? Essok, big angry dude. Oh, okay. Stephen Markle played Kova Toll. Tons of guest stars, West Wing, OC, House, Jag. He played Ed Warren in a TV movie called The Haunted, which I'm going to have to check out. He was in The Manhattan Project, one of my great loves of teen sci-fi. Terrific long career, but not, you know, an overlong uh, number of credits. And finally, we have Joycelyn O'Brien as Mitana Haro. Or is she? I remember that uh, I remember her best as the Irish maid in Sylvester Stallone's unfairly maligned masterpiece, Oscar. Yes. It's <laughs> 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 <is> Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> Only 15 credits on IMDb, but a terrific career, including the Mambo Kings and Quantum Leap. She was on Broadway in Biloxi Blues and Brighton Beach Memoir. I didn't go deeply into the unnamed aliens throughout because I figured we'd uh, just get into the, the episode and knock them dead. Let's do. We have our cold open, ridding the world of a plague, all in a day's work. I mean, it's just kind of brushed under the door. They just saved the planet. Any thoughts on that opening with him lounging in the chair? Well, it's well done deserved. Although I don't know why he's not in his PJs. I was pretty disappointed that we were taking a nap and we weren't already in our PJs. I like that he just was, I'm reading, you know, we, they're, they're definitely shown that he is a reader. Like he tries to read actual books whenever he can. And then, then he just does the thing that we all do when we're reading, which is, yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to close the book and close my eyes for a while. Right. It felt very much like hashtag goals. I want to be Picard one day. I want that chair too. Yes. That lounge the chair yeah. looked awesome. <laughs> it just screams respite. <laughs> Repose. And then we get this really cool galactic door beam out. Uh, pretty cool effect. Big door just pops up in front of him and boom, he's gone. It's, and it's so great like because it's you get some visual information like we just talked about, but then it's like right into what's happening, plot happening right away. I like that. You get that wonderful uh, look from uh, number one to Worf. Right. And they don't say shit. He doesn't like move yep. his head at all. He just looks at Worf and Worf's like, on it. And he goes and runs to Captain Picard's yeah. room. And then we get that great snifter of brandy. In my book. What's what, what's all this then? Why are you so why are you at my door? Right. Here in my respite. And you know Worf's always wanted to be able to bust in on the the captain. <laughs> For sure. It's that day they came where, you know, the codes have been called. 
<laughs> After the credits, when we come back, we meet the other captors that Jean-Luc has been uh, sent down to. He wakes up. They all do jello shots for dinner. So that's the little <laughs> little disc of food that they get. That looked like that Apgar jelly type thing like yeah, they used to right. do to, like, in biology dishes. class. Yeah. And there's mysteriously a fourth little table there waiting for somebody maybe, and there's pain at the door. So all this sort of setting up for, you know, who are these people? Who's the other one coming? And why is the one guy afraid of the door? I mean, it's it's classic no exit by Jean-Paul, right? Uh, there, you know, there is an exit there, but so it's not just walls, but it doesn't work. It doesn't open. We don't know who the other people are in the room and how we could possibly trust them. It's it's a classic setup. Fucking love it. Yeah, it, it never really gets tired. If you just give it some good dialogue, you can. It's inexhaustible. It seems, and it's it's super sci-fi in this pre context. Like it's it, this is what I <laughs> I just chew this up for sci-fi and a little bit of psychology there. I mean, so far we're off to a great start for this episode. Uh, I think, and they only have one set, right? They just get to make this one set, right? Go crazy on the Apgar jelly dispenser thing, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. As as soon as as soon as digital cameras that were movie quality came out that people could actually own, you saw a huge proliferation in horror movies with this setup. Yeah, people went up in a weird place. There's four of them. There's one set. It's very cheap to do, and if you have good actors and a good script, you can really make a fun movie with it. And almost make it's like a play, right? It's like that yep. that old timey. Uh, what's that word when it's a well made play where it's just in one location in one setting the entire time with these actors, and you see it develop, and this feels very much like right in. Patrick Stewart's wheelhouse. Yeah, so now we go back to the Enterprise where we have the doppelganger checking out the bridge. And there's a little diversion from their stated mission to what now the other Picard wants to do. And what I thought was pretty cool, he Picard takes a conference with Riker and immediately sows a plausible deniability. Right. You know, look, there might be stuff happening here that I can't explain, but are you with me? And uh, getting number one on his side and then excusing himself for doing some crazy stuff so another really nice psychological setup i thought for what's gonna take place or what could take place yeah i mean he essentially is like shit's gonna get weird you on board <laughs> which is just amazing and as you said it's so smart right like and is a symbol that they like a like a signal that they've done this before right like we have to come in knowing like right. like making excuses for what's about to happen and that's I might point. act a little weird, you know, like that's, yeah. that's from past knowledge. I hadn't even thought about that. The only difference is that we haven't had like the Starfleet command sending a communique private only for Picard that the bridge crew might know about. So they might like, know, okay, he's getting some weird orders from on high. Uh, they didn't get that far with the setup, uh, which I think might've sold it a little bit better, but there are aliens who don't know about uh, captivity or morality. So we'll get to that. Jay Leno's. They're Jay Leno's. <laughs> they got a lot of cars in the garage and want to ruin other people's careers. I understand. We go back then to the holding cell and we got the prisoners trying to figure out what makes them special enough to kidnap. So they're trying to reason out why me? Why you? Is this some clue as to why they may have brought us here? And then that's when our, uh, our German friend shows up and they're the only one with a weapon. Not, and I'm not talking about their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a weapon and this is really where sci-fi twilight zone meets psych 101 because it's obvious something's going on that 
one out of the four shows up, they have a weapon. Pretty fun that they're 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 just building this lovely tension amongst the four people that are there. Those teeth. Oh, you know, the teeth are great. The eyes are great. <laughs> really interesting. Like this dude, uh, Reiner Schoen, has a terrific series of non-German accents that he uses in all the movies and TV shows that he does. The guy's incredible. Like he often plays German characters, but when he doesn't, you can't tell. Like this is this is an American accent alien, and I, I love that the right. tension yeah. comes uh, that within the room. The initial tension comes from "Who are you?" Not "You've done this to us." The uh, enemy is outside that door, and that's super interesting uh, as a place to start. Let's all get together against whoever we can't see. And I like the the sci fi ness of Picard trying to use the control panel to send messages like I liked that like he's trying to do something anything to communicate with the those outside like that's such a great thing to set up like okay that, that isn't working so now we have to solve it with the people who are in the room and a little bit of a backstory we get too is that Picard knows Essox planet and the stargazer had visited that planet 12 years before so and it doesn't really waste any time with exposition it's naturally dropped in but now that adds to this nice world building of oh okay us geek can write that down on the timeline stargazer going to essox planet 12 years before um and i'm already starting my fan fiction on it well and i love this <laughs> the, the visual storytelling there because that him saying that essox then she's his weapon and is like okay right I'll I'll be, I don't trust you, but at least I'll I'll not kill you right away because maybe he remembered, maybe he had heard stories of the Starcase and the Federation being there and whatever happened. You want to assume there's some mission, right? Something Picard solves things. That's what he does. Uh, so right. he helped the planet in some way. That was, again, just visual storytelling that we didn't need to have this. Oh, you were the one who solved all of our problems. Thanks, Picard. Right, and it might even be simpler than that. We get to decide. Like it could yeah. even be. Oh, you know the planet you've been there and you're still alive all right then we trust you <laughs> oh, yeah right. exactly that's a good point you know it could be even that simple if it is a true anarchy like he would have been killed if he was weak in any way so at least essox got the respect of a of a fellow fighter all right so from fellow fighters on to poker time Ooh. back on the ship bacard walks in on a poker game and this is where things really the, the first test of his the setup of hey things are weird it can be fine if it's weird with we're going somewhere different than you thought we were, but now he's personally acting odd, right? Now he's acting, he's asking questions that are very un-Picard. And at the end of this scene, he straight up just asked uh, Troy to spy on the rest of the crew. Like, let me know if there's, you know, some reaction to where, how I'm, what I'm doing and what I'm asking guys to do. I love, though, the the tack that he takes which is to be the good guy, right? He comes in and is like, oh man, you know what would be great? Oh, right. Is if the engines were at 95%. Don't do it now. Oh no. No, right. don't do it now. Oh, okay. Hey, Troy, you know, I mean, you tell me, right? Like that would be, right. I feel so bad. Like yeah, yeah. I just like, it's such a great, because again, it's another way to sort of be like, things are feeling weird, but I want to get on top of that, right? It's just, it's, it's genius psychology. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to come in on the weekend. <laughs> That's the strong and like boss energy there. What I love about it, too, is that in performance, Patrick Stewart is so trusting of the writers and the director that he just acts like Picard would if he was asking these questions. He just trusts it. I mean, 
you know, there's little things that he's clearly doing, but he trusts the audience and the other actors to show the audience how out of character that is. It's the words, not the delivery. Like the delivery is the way Captain Picard would probably do it. They just don't think he would do it. And that's super interesting to watch play out over the course right. of it. I think it even continues that way, even when he gets to the song. Like if Picard would do it, this is how we would do it. But we don't trust that he would do it. Yeah. I love that. And I, I didn't mean to say it, was a, it wasn't a criticism that we see the divergence. We had to see it at some point, right? There has to be a test. And like you said, Kate, it was brilliant the way that test was presented. And it actually sets up a really lovely joke when he, you know, sending, sending, um, oh, why can't I? Uh, you got this. <laughs> Let me finish. Sending Jordy over uh, yes. to get ninety five percent. It sets up a lovely little joke in a later scene. He, he breaks up the poker game, uh, and then we're back to to the prisoners, to the no exit room, where the prisoners are starting to get to know each other, and we get the lovely little bit of information that Essox can go three, maybe four days before he has to resort to cannibalism, which again, sets up a lovely bit of tension because <laughs> who's he going to eat? <laughs> you know, this is the, there's three people on the boat, only one person can live, debate who gets thrown off. It'd be great if then they started, he used his knife the next time we see him to mark a day in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's supposed to be the non-aggressive alien. Thal. He sure is a real dick. Like... <laughs> You can tell why his planet has been uh, taken over eight or nine times. He's like, oh, you know, every his, every word in your language means fighter. Mm. He's, he's showing the difference between non-aggression and passive aggression. Yeah, right? <laughs> passive aggressive is still aggressive. It's a passive aggressive planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's Seattle. <laughs> they do a great job, though, too, starting to set up, though, like, I, don't, I didn't trust that dude. I was like, why is he being such a cagey dick, right? Like, even going back to the scene before where he was like, don't touch that. I can guarantee you, you don't want to touch that. Mm -hmm. Which is just great to, even before they get to the next time we see them and the sort of suspicion, to plant that, you know, into my head where I was like, I don't know. Why is this guy so knowledgeable about shit? True. Word. So we go back to the ship, right? And this is, I thought Picard and Beverly were going to smash. And then Picard asks her to a private dinner. And I'm like, oh, other Picard is finally going to get it done. We got to wait on that. Put a pin in it. <laughs> <laughs> we go back. And this is where we get that scene that Kate just mentioned. So where the three of them almost break out, right? They're, that's where they're up at the door. They're trying it out. They're so close. And then the green beam of pain comes and racks right. them with pain. Uh, and they can't come out. That's the first clip from this episode that is in Star Trek Acid Party. Thank you. They have this part where they go, like, they, they're like going up and down as they're like falling because that fall is really weird, right, Eric? It's that Crap slow fall. motion fall. Crap fall. Yeah. No, we had we had no stunt coordinator on the set, and all the costumes and makeup were basically don't move your face. Yeah. So we are very slowly sinking to the ground. I have my hand down, let myself do a deep roll. Yeah. Yeah, that was. 
Absolute crap. Cut away and then cut back to them being on the ground if you get Right. And this is like what Kate said. This is our Mr. Toll. He's a scaredy cat. He didn't participate. And then he warns them, which not, of course, remembering the episode like I rarely do. I was like, oh, is he part of this? Right. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's one of my favorite episodes. And I couldn't remember which of the, the three would end up being the one. Okay. So now we can take the pin out because it's dinner time. We have uh, Picard and Beverly together. And I just want to start with a question to the guys first. Would you wear the crossover jumper that Picard is wearing in this scene? <laughs> in my 20s, I would. In my of 60s, course. I am not sure. That's a given. That's a, oh, although he wasn't in his 60s. He was in his 40s. He was like my age. Yeah. So, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't either, but it's all about how you wear it, right? Like he's just got confidence uh, yeah, I from right. from that earlier scene in sickbay to this one. Like he's just the cock of the walk and it just, it looks, you know, I mean, I wanted to dance with him. Well, my next question is for Kate. <laughs> Kate, <laughs> is it baller or tone deaf to ask a lady to dance after she says, I'm happy with the relationship the way it is? Oh, well, now you I wanted to stay in the glee for a moment of that outfit because the answer is, of course, yes, you yes. wear that outfit when you've got be big dick energy like like Picard has in that scene. Yeah, he no is a complete sentence. So, like, it gets a little bit of a bother that she's very clearly like, I don't know. And then he's like, come on, dance with me. But I also feel like that's very typical. And then they kissed. And then I was like, it's not real, but it's happening. And then, oh, my God, what is he? I, my, this is why I don't remember this episode. It's probably because my prepubescent brain, like, exploded <laughs> with hormones in that moment. And I had just <laughs> blacked out. <laughs> It was nice to see. Like I've had such Gates McFadden crush for thirty years. Like it is fun to to see them let her en enjoy herself in this scene. Well, and and this is the dance, right? Like they, they, even though obviously they dance, but the thing is, like when they get close together, <laughs> there is this moment where their mouths kind of move towards each other, and then she deliberately goes to the side, and then they, you know, they talk a little bit, and then she's the one who's like, maybe I do want to kiss him, and and makes that choice there. At the same moment where he's like, ah, you know, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Open the door. And she's like, she was like, I was about to say yes. What I the fuck? I was about to give it to you. I felt like comfortable with the whole scene. As soon as it came <laughs> up on them together, because it's like there was that trajectory of them maybe getting together for three seasons now. And right. I wanted that because I thought they were a great couple, but it was a lie. I knew it. It was like, he's not real. Even if this happens, it's like, Gates, you know, Bev is real. He's not. This is crushing that maybe it does come together and then it's not real at all. So the whole time I was like, oh, man. But that's what made it so delicious because right. it was like, this can't happen. It's not real, but it looks like it is going to happen. And then when he drops her, I was like, oh, my God, this is like <laughs> the funniest thing. Like, I wish I wrote something like that. He does it. He does it right after she says, you're playing games with me. He's like, no, no. But also, yes. Yes, get out. Yes, and I will finish this. You know what's really sad? I didn't know. I remember this until now, but like there is that acknowledgement to the previous, her absence in season two where right. doppelganger Picard says, I, I don't think I've gotten a chance to tell you this, but I'm really glad that you're back. 
and I missed it. I missed our friendship. And I think that is the moment that she's like, well, maybe there is something more here, but it's not even him. Right. Picard, Picard doesn't but, actually but, ever say that to her. But, but, but where did this alien get these ideas? Mm. Where did he get the knowledge and the urge to be like, that's, you know, like he obviously, Good question. if he knows that she was gone and that she was absent, he ha- absent, he has Picard's, at least access to some of his memories. Everything, right? He knows so, she was gone. Like, like, is this is this the id finally being able to mm. come out and do what it needs to when the mm. superego has been keeping it in all this time? That's what I choose to believe. It's canon. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Uh, I'm on board, 100%. It was meant to be. <laughs> so then we go back to the no exit room where the prisoners' suspicions start to rise. Everybody has a reason to be suspicious of the other. And it seems to end with Picard being especially suspicious of the cadet because she seems to know a whole lot Uh, about him especially the plague and we just found out about us the audience just found out how could you have found out i like also that they name check the mintaka three where they were observing the primitive vulcans like from earlier and he's like why would you know about that like those are why would a cadet wouldn't be finding out about that? It only happened, you know, two weeks ago. My murder, she wrote brain, like mm-hmm. absolutely kicked in during this moment. And the moment she he clocked her, I would clocked her as well. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's always the one that is like the least likely, right? The one that you're like pulling for or the guest star with the biggest name. Uh, it's one of those two. Yeah, yeah, one of the other. That's areas. what I learned through <laughs> my years. Well, and I love this whole scene because it, this feels the most like a play to me yeah. where it's like everybody is pointing fingers at each other. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one. You know, it's that it's that Sondheim so uh, song from, from Into the Woods. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right? And then they all uniformly be like, well, wait a second. Picard is the one. And so they're all three against one. Well done. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, and that takes us to uh, 10 forward, where we get a bunch of princess waves as Picard walks in (laughs) and wants to make sure he acknowledges everybody in the room. Right. There's a lot of drinking in this episode, I will say, in almost every scene here going forward, right? Because this starts with Riker and Troy having a drink and being like, right. And it's the close up of the camera is on the drinks themselves as he brings it to the table and be like, there's something weird going on. The the wave, him coming in waving, that was maybe the first big red alert. Like, this is right. not Kevin Picard. He doesn't wave <laughs> at people like that. What's this wave <laughs> shit? <laughs> right. He, it, it reminded me of every politician that comes in to their speaking, you know, the convention center and like points at people and like, you're here and oh, you're here. Like that glad handing without actually touching anyone. Buddy Christ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then ales. Ales, ales for everyone. Ales for everyone. I wrote, ales for everyone, two laugh out loud moments in one scene. So him waving the ales, I'm laughing both times out loud. And then immediately scratched at three <laughs> LOLs uh, because Warp trying to sing along was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, big, big success. <laughs> that moment. Amazing. Jordy and Warp. <laughs> <laughs> and then that look afterwards that they share, like, eh, I don't know, man. Well, it's uh, we would sing after the Academy, right? <laughs> sure. 
that <laughs> old seventh that old seventeenth century or eighteenth century sea shanty. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> that everyone knows. <laughs> it's. <laughs> There's that no we way. learned in space. <laughs> no way they all know that. And right there at the end, bam, Riker's not buying mm-hmm. it. Something's going on here for singing songs. That is a bridge too far. Ales for everyone, waving. Not my captain. We mm. need to meet my cabin. I'll make sure that the heart porn is off. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other uh, physical joke when Picard smacks Jordy on the back, being yeah. like, well done. Bang, and you're like, what? No one ever touches me. Like, that's not <laughs> right through that here. Yeah, that's the payoff for the. Yeah. I asked for 95. You got it up to 96.5%. Well done. <laughs> so I'm going to assault you now. So Riker is suspicious. So, of course, we uh, meet in his quarters to talk. More drinks. Right. To get loaded. And, you know, these are the songs of angry men, right? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love Warp's reaction when uh, <laughs> Riker's talking about what's going on. And Warp says, these are not uh, reasons for mutiny. And Riker simply says, we're not talking about mutiny. We're just discussing his behavior. And it, the camera goes back to Warp. And he, I don't know what Michael Dorn was thinking or what was going on. But his reaction is, it seemed to me like he was a little upset that there now there wasn't mutiny. <laughs> his head shakes. He like huffs a little bit. Like, are you upset that you were put down by Riker right away? Or that there isn't mutiny? Like, whatever the... His choice was, it was absolutely fun to watch. <laughs> it's interesting, too, with this right after Sins of the Father and that bond that Worf and Picard created in that mm. episode, how this is put to the test right here. And you're right, Worf is not really, he doesn't have that many qualms other than the line to go against this version of Picard. But maybe he's got those suspicions from when he first arrived at the quarters with the brandy snifter in the book, as we were saying, like maybe he's been thinking all along that something's been off. These are not the actions of a warrior. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Father. I love this, this scene though, of everybody sharing like the, this is like the gossip scene where they're like, Hmm, he said something weird and he came to the poker game and Bev comes clean here. Yeah, that's I will say like that was actually like it's such a brave moment. And I was so glad that they included it. And that's sort of the thing that wins everybody over to be like, nah, nope, that's fucked up. Right? right. Like everybody knows that that's not something that would happen. Yeah, it's it's that moment. I think we've all been there when you're like worried about someone or someone is pissing you off and you finally get to have that moment in the corner with people where you're like holy shit and then this happened and then this happened and motherfucker this happened <laughs> Absolutely. alright so then uh, the real Picard back at the no exit room gives a, a very inspirational speech which this is part of Picard's modus operandi and then goes back to trying to break into the panel he's not afraid of that green beam of pain obviously well I mean he shouldn't be afraid of the green beam of pain because really what it does is lay you very gently on the ground. <laughs> For nap time. It's that it's that classic conundrum, right? Like, I can't prove that you can trust me and you can't prove that I can trust you. So we're at a stalemate unless we just choose to trust. All right. So meanwhile, at the Pulsar, Riker makes his move uh, questioning other Picard. Uh, but we don't know exactly what. Riker will do because the other Picard doesn't fold. And in fact, you know, he's like, 
watch what you're doing. This is a, a pretty big move that you're making. So it's still playing with that psychology. Right. Which was a nice little scene. Like you thought Riker's got you. I'm going to call you out. But it's not that simple. So I'm, 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 I like that they didn't make it that way. It was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, Beverly Crusher you. Like I'm the doctor. I'm the only one who can pull a card on you, Captain. Fake Picard plays this perfectly in that it's, it's like, oh, you're challenging my authority? Well, I'm going to challenge your place on this ship like if you think that's what's at stake here i'll put you in the brig uh, and set up an inquiry because what you're doing is 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 also out of line and it nonpluses Riker for a moment he's like shit i don't really have anything to do yes and he gets he doesn't go the the aggressive tack it's very gaslighty yes. it's very like well maybe you're the one with the problem i'm so sorry you feel that way and he doesn't immediately go i'm gonna arrest you and take you to the bridge he says I think you should go to sick bay, which is again, like disarming and playing that good guy of like, he could have immediately called somebody in and been like, drag him away. But if he can keep Riker, a, you know, a little bit on his side or at least guessing, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know. I just found it fascinating. So gaslighty, so gross. Yeah. The, 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 the tone is really unbelievably fun to watch and get angry at. Yeah. The implied thing is that there's the danger, right? Like they're getting closer to this pulsar, which is going to tear apart the ship and give everybody radiation sickness. And then that nice lighting effect of the pulsar going around and around and then shining on everybody, that that's the context here. Let's talk a little bit more about that with the pulsar and other Picard challenging Riker's challenge of him himself. But uh, we'll bring in a new perspective. Uh, joining <laughs> us via satellite is an old buddy of mine from our days at the University of Wyoming, Caius Harrison. Meet me in Cowboy Joe. I'm only How fashionably late like a good L.A. person should be. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost to the uh, end credits Easter egg, right? I, I, I got in on time. You did. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> in this scene where uh, we're just talking about when Riker confronts other Picard for the first time. What did you think about that interaction between the two and especially just overall this other Picard and how he sort of interacted with the gang? I mean, I kind of want to see him make out with himself. But... <laughs> is that wrong of me? Is, is that because I'm fresh out of the um, the unbearable weight of immense talent with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> he did uh, murder himself last season, so we're due for something a little more constructive. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot. I, I have like, I'm so sorry, guys. I have the notes very much like, you know, each of the notes have little titles to them, like Cocoon Boogers and Now Get Off My Ship, Mr. Worf, Detain Mr. Riker to His Quarters, all of that. I can't recall which section this is in. How far are we in? Uh, we're pretty close to the end. What I meant to say is I agree entirely with the rest of the panel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of panels, we uh, our next scene is Doors uh, Behind Doors. And this is where the prisoners actually get that door open only to find that there's another door right behind it. And Picard is even more suspicious of the cadet. Classic bunny. It starts with Picard shoving metal in an electrical panel, right. which just made me nervous. But it is, it is that classic sort of, you think you're going to get there and then, oh, which gets all of our collective whodunits up and running. None of this would have happened if you had R2-D2 with you. 
<laughs> in and out in moments. Well, and it was pretty cool when they find the second door because it really brings home for the the characters in the scene. This is somebody's playing with us. Somebody's trying to figure something else about us because this doesn't make sense other than it's a big fuck you. It's a how do you deal with this? And Picard sort of realizes it and it's a great bit where the character naturally catches up with the audience and we haven't been given the answer but it's easier for us like these are all adding up to they've been needled to see how they react with the pain so it's just a lovely moment where Picard looks at the cadet and he's like it all comes the the Agatha Christie or murder yeah. she was like I got it or uh, Columbo he's like just one more thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's sort of that Truman show moment too right where like oh no fuck we we are being watched, right? Mm-hmm. And like just confirms all those suspicions. It also reminds me, maybe this scene actually inspired it, but I wrote this screenplay that was about four people in a car where they were all different versions of the id and the superego and how they reacted to each other and, and everything uh, symbolically. And I was also reading Lord of the Flies at the time and learning about how you know, you can read that story just uh, straight up as, a, as as the story it is. But then if you start to think about the symbology of like, okay, you know, Simon was the Messiah figure and Jack is this and blah, blah, blah. Like the, I, I love that kind of meta symbology that can kind of be a big part of scenes like this. And I just love that, that that's how Picard break this down is like, okay, you're the one who has the reaction to security and authority this way. You have this this way. I'm trained to be authority. This cadet is trained to listen to authority and like how... You can you can think about that, and that's what a, a, an experiment like this would be set up with the, those kind of controls. I just, it's so, I don't know, just cool. I just thought about how much they are like rats in a maze. When I, mm-hmm. I we talked about the discs of food earlier, even just the way that they're fed and the way that they're, you know, corrected. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's when we sort of widen out and think of what this experiment actually does and actually means, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> All right, so then we go back to the Pulsar, and this is where the test goes to the extreme. Uh, As the shields are failing, uh, Picard insists that the Enterprise move closer still, which puts the whole ship in danger. And this is where Riker finally decides to take action, and other Picard is fucked because Worf is backing (laughs) Riker's play, right? And that's the as soon as that falls into place, that's it. You're not getting out of this. And it's not just Worf. Nobody moves. Right. Nobody right. does what? anything to support fake oh, no. Picard here. Especially Wesley, right? I, I love that poor Wesley is left in the middle of that because it's the most Wesley thing that's ever happened in the history of Wesley's where he's like, my two, my two, he's like, my two dads are fighting. But that's also a really great visual storytelling again because Riker looks back at Worf looks back and you, it's there's no dialogue but you know what is being passed and then that's a theme we'll get to to later on uh once real picard comes back but yeah and i love throughout that it's not just the i mean it kind of is just the looks and and the knowledge that we have about the characters they don't do the extraneous nods to each other like it's just the fact that they can see in each other's eyes that they're still with each other like that's Terrific. And it's the second time we've gotten that from Warp and Riker in this episode. I totally understand why Wesley was caught, especially the way you put it, Kate, between two dads. But there's, I always get super impatient when real people don't do things as quickly as they should. Like, especially like my children. If like I ask you to do something, it's like, what the fuck are you thinking about? Move your legs forward and start doing it. Don't, don't look at me. Like, you don't understand those words. And when he, didn't move like Wesley 
Move the ship. <laughs> but it makes total total sense why he wouldn't uh, do that. So then we're back with the prisoners where we meet, finally, the descendants of Jay Leno. <laughs> Picard quits the game, and that's when the Jay Leno's reveal themselves. That was the cocoon boogers that. <laughs> oh, that's the cocoon boogers. They look like cocoon boogers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just. That's what they apparently look like to me. And all I wrote is, this is your brain on social media. <laughs> <laughs> because of, we, we all share the same brain. We all we all talk at once. <laughs> and we're the exact same outfit. Right. You know what we're talking about and we order Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> we got to hook these guys up with the binoculars and see what happens. Wow. <laughs> It is upsetting that she splits apart. Like, I was expecting that reveal of like, haha, I have been a different creature this whole time, but no, fuck you, she's been three. Right. Which is, <laughs> feels like overkill. My ear holes are the same size as my nose holes. <laughs> and in the same place. I truly do want to see the fan fiction of these people hooking up with the binars. That should have been in uh, Star Trek Acid Party. <laughs> it should have been it should have been but then yeah they just were like okay now this experiment's compromised right you've ruined it picard end of line <laughs> all of this we have to throw all this data out thank you for nothing here's my question how far was faux picard willing to go into that pulsar it seemed pretty far According to that smile, he was pretty ready to give it a reach around right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a stress reliever. It's just a stress reliever. That's why Wesley was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was. So one of my favorite things in the world, as uh, you all know, Picard comes back and he doles out some comeuppance. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Uh, and this is what you had alluded to before with the, he sets up the whole comeuppance thing without any words at all. It's just them being able to look at each other and know what needs to be done. What's coming next. That's, yeah. that's a sign of a good improv team. When you've been together long enough that you know the thought that's about to, you know, the words that are about to come out of somebody else's mouth, like they have been like, that's just teamwork. It makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of close up shots, too, of control panels that buttons being pressed. I don't know what's being pressed, but things are happening surreptitiously. They all got it figured beep, out. Beep, 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 beep. And do you think these uh, yeah. Jay Leno's learned their lesson? Yeah, because they get put in that purple force field, which is the second shot that's in Star Trek Acid Party in this episode. <laughs> There's like dance music and they're like all trapped. And it's about 40 seconds of them just doing this weird dance thing up and down, uh, trapped in that oh, force field. We are obsessed. The third one is the best one, which is coming up later. <laughs> uh, well, not too much later because we are at the end. We have our final scene. And I wrote, did we engage? Engage. Picard is worried. Other Picard smash Bev. <laughs> There's a little exchange there. And he yes. Has, he has no idea. He's like, uh-oh. What did the other guy do? And what did I miss out on? Well, this is where Riker, and Riker's also like, no, it was a pretty good copy, but not quite. What do you mean? I didn't know you were a good singer. And the way Picard, Patrick Stewart <laughs> yeah. pronounces Cigar. <laughs> it's so right of being like, I am, I'm not sure I want to know what, what happened there. Yes, you're right. That walk-in of Beverly Crusher, very quiet and being like, I'm smiling, but not smiling. My mouth is moving, but it's not really smiling. 
It's so spot on. I just love the uncomfortability there. Did Appa, uh, it reminds me very much one time when I was visiting my grandma Ooh. and uh, I was sleeping on the floor and I had a tendency like Harper does to talk in my sleep. And uh, this is exciting. Yeah. It, when I woke up, she was like, you say a lot of things when you're sleeping. I'm like, like what? <laughs> and she's like, I'll never tell. And she never did. So it was like the whole time. I was like, what the fuck did I say in front of my grandma? And that's what other Bacard, or real Bacard has to live with, right? For the rest of it, it's like, what did I do with that for me? I know. And it's this entire scene that is in Star Trek Acid Party. It is that this that whole thing from Riker to Beverly Crusher coming in. The thing that's weird about it is they're all distorted. Everyone's faces <laughs> are all completely in this like maniacal monster face. Even especially Crusher, and then when, and they do this vocal thing to his to to her line where she's like, "Yes, Captain," and it's this terrifying slash uh, tantalizing thing. Uh, that is what Star Trek Acid Party is all about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that episode will have to come inevitably, right? We have to <laughs> Where we go to see my scene. Yes, I that. think so. As I think party. so. Uh, all right, that yeah. takes us to the credits. Uh, we did not get to hear the the brilliant insight of our our guest, Caius, as much as we would have liked. But Caius, tell us what did you think about this episode, and if you want, give us a measurement uh, any way you want from one to ten, uh, where you think this episode falls. Oh, I can't believe that for people who have a podcast about this show that they love, that there are so few nine, eights, nines, and tens. I'm like, mm. well, there are a lot of fucking like four Rikers beards. There are a lot of <laughs> 6.5 cocoon boogers here for people who love a show and are talking about it. So I'm going to bring, I'm all about bringing things, bringing balance to the force, if you will. So I give it a 10 out of 10 Kenobis. Woo! <laughs> wow. Cross genre ratings, people. Breaking through the barriers. I I, tr I really love this episode. I'm, I'm super sorry. Uh, it, extenuating circumstances. I, I adored this episode. There's so many great moments like Worf's three amigos a moment when when you know Picard's singing and he's like, my little buttercup. <laughs> a smile. A, a smile. A smile. <laughs> when they first all got stunned by the door, I was like, uh, you know, I hate to say I told you so, but that Riddler's fucking mind wave thing from Batman Forever sucking your brains out. I told you. <laughs> uh, and, and then even the, you know, the the last looks, uh, the get off my ship. I was like, oh, all night long. <laughs> even, the, even the engage that he gives in the end, I was like, all night long. When, when, when Worf first confronts him at the very beginning, fake Picard in his quarters, just the look is, is may I help you, Lieutenant? He's like, I've been looking for a reason to tell security to come to your quarters immediately for you. <laughs> did not disappoint. <laughs> you wooed me with your tea, Captain. <laughs> I, th I thought it was a, a, an amazing episode. I, I wasn't sure if I would get stuck with one of the, the lame duck episodes. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, we're just going to have Jordy and Data and Pulaski on a, a planet <laughs> that we could afford <laughs> with 30 minutes. Like, this was a gem of an episode. 
I don't know how many times we get Picard doppelgangers, but the answer is seven. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys gave it ten Kenobi's. Greg, what are you gonna give it? I think I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna go with seven pulsars. It is a very strong episode in the acting. I enjoyed all the moments we talked about where it's the psychological thriller of, you know, how far can you push authority? How far you can make it happen? I love the symbology of it. The uh, prisoners in the uh, holding cell trying to figure out how to get out of this thing. It's all really, really great stuff. Um, it does For some reason, it just doesn't elevate beyond you know, a, a really good, strong episode. It doesn't enter, enter into the, the 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 highest echelons, but it is a great episode, and I love talking about it with y'all. All right, Eric. I give it eight bridge crew members treating the newly returned Captain Picard like he is a blackout drunk that they get to make fun <laughs> of remembering stuff. I really love this episode. It's one of my go-to memories when I think about my favorite moments in Star Trek, the, the whole no exit feeling about it, the similar but completely different performances as Captain Picard. Like they are completely different people, but they are so alike and it's such a beautiful performance. All, everything is fantastic except for that fall. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough to, to have one crew member taken off the bridge. So nine it is from me. All right, Miss Kate. I'm going to give it eight and a half food gel discs. <laughs> and I... Again, had not remembered this episode and felt very lucky to not have remembered it because I got to experience, again, that sort of suspicion of who's it going to be and I don't trust this person, I don't trust this person. So it fulfills both my love of sci-fi and my love of murder mystery because I definitely applied my Murder, She Wrote skills to try to figure out who this was. Yeah, uh, it's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I'm for it. <laughs> uh, all right, I will wrap it up. I will give this episode eight wharfs of singing. <laughs> it was a lot of fun i love the sci-fi nature and when they put the psychology stuff on top it was just like a double scoop of ice cream a lot of nice performances from the cast especially picard isak i didn't know he was german and a lot of times i can hear an accent so that i did not pick up on uh him being a german-born actor who did a lot of work in german is thoroughly impressive so thank you eric for bringing that up agreed maybe it was the mouthpiece the <laughs> it, it helped him sound it helped him. He had, he had fake teeth uh, on. And it just i tell you though in a lot of his work you cannot tell it's it's very nice it was a great one so eight wharfs uh singing i would have given it eight and a half but uh, that doesn't flow trippingly off the tongue. <laughs> Caius, tell us where we can find you on your social media platforms. I am at Caius Harrison across the board. That's K-A-I-U-S Harrison. It's a Nordic version of Gaius, as in Gaius Julius Caesar, an honorific meaning rejoicer. At Caius Harrison <laughs> on all social media you can play red dead redemption non-stop i do it's very meta i call it red dead masturbation <laughs> have a few things coming out but and, and a few things that i'm currently shooting so just catch me just follow and you, you'll see it drop and you'll see where he is all right well i've taken down a liter of water and i've wet my pants so now i gotta go do some laundry good work until the next re-engage thanks for joining us bye everybody 
In the immortal words of Kate Yeager. <laughs> that was really good, guys. Love, love, love hearing all of you, but especially that laugh. We appreciate you for voyaging with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at Re-Engage TNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge crew on all of the social medias. Kate Yeager is Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Re-Engage is edited by me, Greg Tito. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now as Dr. Beverly Crusher is ready 